Jonas was one of my favorite podcasts so far. About one of my the, favorites as well. Yeah, the New England Museum uh, of uh, Motorcycles, the Motorcycle Museum, rather, uh, with Ken and Ken, uh, father and Kenny. son. Kenny Ken is and a Kenny. son. Yep. Um, you know, it all made sense to me, except one thing. Yeah. I, I don't understand. What is a 5,000-pound iron frog outside of their museum have to do with motorcycle history? I, I don't know what that was about. I'll, I, I, I That was outside than what I was expecting them yeah. to say, but a great big massive frog in Rockville, Connecticut. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but we're going to get there to see it. Mark, on a side note, you know, one of our listeners wrote in and they referred to you as the most reflective, cerebral, and rational co-host. Huh. What's your just brief one-sentence response to that, That a recent review on iTunes? My one sentence response would be we are cut from the same cloth, John. <laughs> Welcome to the Behind the Bars podcast, where we discuss all things motorcycles, memories, and mayhem. Oh, this is awesome. Sponsored by Wilkins Harley Davidson. Let's get this thing started. Here's John and Mark. So, with us today is Ken Kaplan. Ken is the owner of the New England Motorcycle Museum, which I don't want to steal his thunder, Mark, but this is no standard museum. This is a seven-year-in-the-making, $6 million, 70,000-square-foot motorcycle museum in Rockville, Connecticut. Welcome, Ken. Welcome, Ken. Thanks for having us on today. So, Ken, tell us, you know, how did how did this even come into being? I mean, who takes... Who steps out of a role of a comfortable living uh, in in the IT world and moves to create what what has to be one of the one of the biggest motorcycle museums in the United States? Well, I had a vision when my son was born 19 years ago, and that was to uh, open a motorcycle shop and retire from the computer industry. And that was that was the, the spark that lit the fire, and this thing kind of just turned into uh, something altogether larger than what I would have ever imagined it would be. And uh, it's metamorphosed into the New England Motorcycle Museum and Kaplan Cycles. And now we have a restaurant bar and microbrewery in the planning stages now. So um, it's, it's really taken on a life of its own. And there's been a lot of support from the community also, the motorcycle community and the, the town and the state. Um, so it's been quite a, quite a journey. Uh, about seven and a half years ago, we, we purchased the mill property, which is 10 acres and 10 buildings about 150,000 square foot. And then we uh, purchased the land across the street and then also the, the adjoining uh, house, uh, which was by the former mill owner. Uh, they used to live there. So and we refurbished that. Now my son, Junior, lives in that house. So we've been, the first building was done in 2013. That's where we opened the, the buy-sell trade business. And, and just about two months ago, we opened the large football field long museum building, which... Uh, Ironically, there was a, a post on online today about someone made a real-life Noah's Ark in Virginia, the exact replica of the, of the Ark in the Bible. <laughs> and uh, the, the specifications of it are 20 feet shorter and four, four feet shorter uh, than, than this, build, this building. So it's, uh, now I know what Noah felt when he, when he, like when he built the Ark. It was a huge, massive undertaking, definitely a leap of faith. Uh, it's a huge building. Uh, you can, we, we ride motorcycles through the building regularly. As you might have seen in the video that Fox did on us here, so we did. Um, we, we we definitely we saw the the uh, the Fox News uh, piece, 
so, you know, you build this thing. And so how many motorcycles are in the New England Motorcycle Museum, Ken? Right now, all total, uh, we just got in a huge shipment of bikes this past week. There were 69 motorcycles from one source and 14 from another. So somewhere in the area of uh, just over 300 bikes, of which a little over 200 are, you know, museum quality bikes on display and maybe two, close to 250, including some of the, the loaners and bikes that are for sale. So um, our goal is 600 bikes. We're about halfway there now. So so Ken I'm I'm curious a little bit about the um, the history of the is it the Hockenham mill where your museum yes, is this, yes this, this building was built originally in, in 1814 and it's uh, was originally a textile factory that um, they made suits for the US Army and um, they uh, uh, went out of business in 1954 so the building had been largely unused and, and vacant for the last close to 60 years and when we came here the building was if you go to google maps and look at 200 west main street i believe the last time i checked last month the original footage from when we got here was there you can see the building is in quite a state of disrepair all the windows were bashed out and it was kind of like a tent, tent city it was like a, a homeless tent city here with uh probably 15 20 families living in the, in the woods and the bushes around here <laughs> and inside the buildings so uh, it was one of our challenges when we got here was, was making sure that the, the, the tent city folks didn't come back. You know, there, were, there was a large group of people that, that kind of lived here uh, illegally. So uh, we, we camped out for 11 days, and then we started restoring, you know, got everybody out. Then we had to get all the raccoons out and all the other wildlife that was living in the buildings. And then we started just gutting the buildings one at a time and redoing them. The main factory building was actually the, the East End, which we're sitting in right now, uh, is, was collapsed. The foundation had failed, and uh, we had to jack up this whole end of the building on 20-ton jacks, which was no, no, no small task, and rip out the foundation, redo that, and replace all the steel beams and everything else. So it was a massive, massive undertaking that uh, took, took us uh, years to finish this building. Well, as you look at your website, it's obvious that you've put as much uh, care and love into restoring this beautiful old mill as you have uh, in curating uh, the bikes that are in it. I think it's a, it's a win-win on both sides of that. Not only do we get to enjoy beautiful motorcycles, but you've breathed life back into, um, you know, just a spectacular old mill, uh, New England mill. So good on you for that, Ken. I'm curious, Ken, as you go about procuring motorcycles for the museum, how does that process work? I mean, I mean, do folks come to you and say, hey, I've got this old bike, we think it would be a good candidate, and how do you vet the bikes that you choose to bring into the, into the museum? Mark, that's one of the most thoughtful questions that Mark has asked in a long time. I haven't had a thoughtful <laughs> idea in years. It's, uh, you know, it's ironic, but the building has attracted collectors from all over the country uh, that have bought bikes here. Uh, some of the finest motorcycles in the world are here. Uh, Ted Smith, who's the president of the Antique Motorcycle Club of America, took a like, liking to the project early on when we are still working on the buildings. He lives right here in Connecticut. And he ended up bringing four of his AMA concourse winning $100,000 plus BMWs here. And when the president of the Yankee chapter of the AMCA shows up, like it kind of his endorsement of the site, other bikes started showing up. And um, we've had a huge social media following. We've had over last month 367,000 people viewed our YouTube channel. Uh, we've had over 5.2 million individual views of the, of the channel. So people all over the world, when I go to a, uh, a motorcycle event, I'm kind of recognizable. I have longer hair and a beard now by design, so I want to be easily recognized. And uh, I wear the same black you know, company t 
t-shirt all the time. So people run, I run people all over the place, all over, everywhere I go, Florida, uh, Daytona, Laconia, Sturgis, anywhere I go, um, any of the big national motocross races. So, and they, and they, they asked me, Hey, I've got a, a CBX Honda six cylinder, or I have a 39 Indian, or I have a, you know, a hot rod new Harley cafe bike. And this is definitely, I've gone out of my way to make sure this wasn't a building that appeared to be a Harley museum or an Indian museum. You walk through and the first 19 bikes you see are all different brands, uh, from custom built cafe racers to 100% original 39 Indian chiefs. So, so, Absolutely, very diverse collection. So, Ken, so would, how, how do you how do you vet uh, these motorcycles though? That because I mean, I would presume that over time you're going to have all these folks calling that that are going to want to display their motorcycle with you, you know. And you're focused on around 600 motorcycles in this museum. How how do you deal with that? What, what's the who are you going to say no to and who are you going to say yes to? Wonderful. How are you? Good, good, good. So what? This so the reason I'm, this is a big part of the reason I'm here doing this. My son Junior. So he uh, he pretty much runs the office, and he's the one fielding the calls on the bikes that are coming in. So I figured I'd let him answer that question. Yeah. So um, we've sold closer to fifteen hundred bikes at this point, and primarily vintage and highly collectible pieces, uh, bikes that we wish we could have kept, but we had to auction off to kind of generate funds for the museum. Uh, in, in the project here that, like Ken said, went totally over budget. Um, and some of these bikes we wish we could have kept, we've been very blessed to be in touch with local collectors, in, in, even folks overseas. Um, I have clients in California, Florida, people who buy the bikes and maintain ownership and leave them here on display. And we have uh, dozens of bikes on that kind of basis. So many of the bikes that we have actually auctioned off through the restoration facility are here on loan. So where, where do we draw the line now? When somebody calls, I've got a 78 PS 185, you know, and a kind of ratty bike. How do you let them down easy, you know? Well, um, <laughs> we've got we've got 150,000 square foot of indoor space here, um, 20,000 square foot that's uh, open museum space in Building Three. Actually, well, combined, it's closer to 30,000 square foot to count the cycle shop. Um, but that's a tough question. That's a tough question. We, we haven't said no to too many people, to be honest with you. And, and uh, as, as the other buildings get finished, you know, that, that bar will be raised from 600. But right now, that's where we're at. So um, I think people understand. You know, ironically, it, it's been more self-policed by the collectors than anything because they are they are um, asking us, you know, uh, would you like to take this bike? Usually the people that are bringing the bike, it's kind of like, if you went to a beauty contest, people aren't going to go to the beauty contest if they're not beautiful or go to a, take their shirt off in a bodybuilding contest if they're not in killer shape. So people feel the same way about their motorcycles. They're well, all embarrassed. They know half, half of the bikes around, like, you kidding me? That thing's stunning. Roll it in here, you know? People my, are really conservative about their own rating of their bikes, you know? I, I don't think they want to be embarrassed. So yeah. most of the stuff coming in has been really nice. 
Mark would probably disagree with you on that on the beauty contest. He's probably <laughs> swung into to a couple pageants himself over the years. And you were, up, we, we, you were at the bikini contest at Laconia this summer too. Damn right, buddy. <laughs> I saw you looking too. Don't don't try and kid me. Hey, so I've heard I, I've heard you guys. I've heard you guys mention a, a couple times now that you've had some bikes that you've sold. So my question is is what percentage of the bikes in the museum are for sale, and is that, or was that the way that you started, but didn't, that don't lo, no longer do that? If there's a percentage of bikes in the museum that are on sale, like right over here, I've got a '39 Indian that's actually stunning that's for sale. Local folks want to sell it, and I know we know which bikes are are for, for sale in here, and we have a constant inventory that's um, coming and going of bikes that we're buying to restore. So. Um, I'm wondering what percentage of the motorcycles there at the museum are actually for sale. Oh, um, I would say out of the uh, out of the 300 bikes, uh, about 100 of them, about a third and of, of, the, of the inventory is not just the museum. It's a, a, uh, is it a separate section of the museum? Is it a separate section of the museum where you haul the bikes that are for sale? It is. We we, we do separate. Uh, you know, that's, a, that's kind of a yes and no question. I do have bikes in the main museum area that are um, mixed in with the museum display that are for sale. And, and ironically, I'll get calls from collectors that, hey, uh, I want to sell my, my, my 46 Jeep because, or my 52 Pan because I've got an eye on, on a different one. So it's, it's uh, kind of a revolving inventory when all the time uh, collectors call and they say, hey, this other collector, like, you know, I've had collectors sell me custom bikes. Uh, cafe racers six months later want to buy it back from the other owner. So there's a lot of horse trading going on here be- between the, the patrons or the benefactors of the museum, where, where they they um you know they get tired or bored with the same bike, so they decide to, to sell it. So uh, a lot of that is not up to us. The stuff that is up to us is like this week we just bought out Main Cycle. They closed their warehouse. We bought out like 65 or 69 exact inventory bikes from them. So. Um, those will all be for sale. And ironically, some of the bikes we buy to sell end up becoming museum bikes because our benefactors will buy one. They'll fall in love with a bike that came out real nice. They'll buy it. And, and uh, But it's the coolest thing. You buy a bike, you restore it. One of your friends, benefactor, buys it and leaves it here. So it's a it's a win-win. It's a, it's a, ironically, like every day is Christmas for me here at the museum. I don't Very rarely does a day go by that someone doesn't drop off a book or a, um, an old helmet or a leather jacket or or, or call to, to offer to store the bike here or loan us a bike or donate a bike. So there's been a um, fair amount of generosity from the, from the collector community uh, bikes that we have here. So. Ken, uh, you know, I would I would call you visionary in, in a lot of the things that you're currently doing in the motorcycle industry. What Where do you see this going five, ten years down the road besides the the oh, yeah. the numbers the number of motorcycles on display oh that, that's definitely going up we should we'll, we'll double and run out of museums before the five-year mark clearly uh and we're getting pickier with the bikes that we're allowing to come in here because uh you know we're not desperate for bikes anymore the, the museum's three quarters full so we're being a little pickier but five years down the road we've got massive changes planned for we, we bought the entire 10-acre complex of land across the street and the adjacent lot because of the long-term plans we have. The, the, the museum is going to be the anchor draw, but in the first floor, we have
on my toolbox um, for the Thunderdome Cafe. It's going to be a restaurant, bar, and microbrewery on the first. We saved the best space in the museum. It's a football field along first floor. It has a, a 15,000 square feet. And um, the one-third is going to be restaurant, one-third is going to be bar, one-third is going to be microbrewery and banquet area. So um, that's the next big plans we have up for uh, – that's what we're working on right now. We've got Mason's down there right now doing doing work and the design works out. So restaurant, bar, microbrewery, motorcycle themed. And then we're going to have the, the first ride-in motorcycle theater in the world that I know, I've never heard of anybody having a ride-in only motorcycle uh, movie theater. That's cool. So we're going to have, we're going to have that here. There's an area behind the building that we'd like to call it the Thunderdome, but a local MC kind of stole that. I mean, coined that name. They just feel they, uh, they're using it, and I tried to steal it from them, frankly. That's what happened, and they, they told me I couldn't. So we're working <laughs> on negotiating that, that name with them because they did approve us calling the cafe the Thunderdome Cafe, but um, Ray Luce kind of owns the, the, the Thunderdome name for a Rick series that he, he puts on, which ironically, um, this is the trophy. You can't see it, but on our live uh Facebook, that this is a Thunderdome winner 2018 trophy, which is a wrench, a hand made trophy with a wrench and a horseshoe. I won the Thunderdome race this summer. Uh, I think I might have told you I was an ex pro racer. And I didn't think I'd win because there was a couple of a local uh, young, fresh, was a young professional stunt rider there who, who won last year. And, but in any event, um, I ended up winning that race, and the guy who was designing the, the restaurant bar called me up and goes, Hey, I know you won the Thunderdome. You got a name for the restaurant bar? I said, No. I said, How about the Thunder? He goes, How about the Thunderdome Cafe? I said, Sure. So I said, I better call Ray first. <laughs> so I called. I called Ray, and Ray. Um, Ray said, Yes. Go ahead, use the name. Be honored. And then I started calling the courtyard behind the buildings here, which is a two-acre courtyard. We wanted to call it the Thunderdome and do some Mad Max shit back there. You know, have like <laughs> a, a mini mini bike track, uh, which we have now. The town approved the mini bike racing track there. We do we do the New England Mini Track Racing Series here, which is something I, I never knew would happen. It's it's uh, 70 cc trikes doing uh, uh, with, with big bore motors in them, little Honda 70 cc hardtail trikes. These guys have like 23 horse built 190 cc motors in them, and they race them here. So we have the mini trike, mini bike racing back there. We're gonna have the movie theater. We want to put a um, an outdoor barbecue back there. So we're trying to make it like a venue, uh, uh, you know, a big draw here. So. Um, the Thunderdome Cafe is next. Restaurant Bar Microbrew, that's next. The Outdoor Movie Theater is coming up. And, and we, we've already got a schedule of events for 2019, which you can't see it here, but uh, want people viewing it online. Our 2019 schedule has bike nights starting every Friday night on April 12th. Uh, we're going to have bike nights with bike bands and babes. That's kind of like the thing. We're going to have bands every Friday night. Saturday night's going to be a legend, music, and movie night. We're going to start out with DJ and then uh, um, live music and then uh, movies. So we're also going to do a, a, an auction here, a motorcycle auction, May 25th, and uh, on September 27th, we're going to have two auctions a year here, big vintage bike auctions. Um, and our, our next big event is called Rockstock 2019. It's, uh, we did a, we, um, we called it Rocktoberfest, which had 11 bands here two weeks ago. We sold 2,400 tickets, and we had 11 bands over two days. So that was an awesome event. So this next one is going to be three days. Uh, it's May 31st, June 1st, and June 2nd. And on June 1st, Doug Danger is going to come here and do a jump, uh, motorcycle jump. And we're going to have 21 bands. So it's like a play on Woodstock, Rockstock. It'll be 21 bands, seven bands per day. And um, that's going to be a kick-ass event. It's going to be our biggest event yet. We're shooting for 10,000 uh, attendees over over uh, a three-day period. So 
Well, it's, it sounds like there's a, there's a lot going on down there, Ken. It's, it, it's fantastic. I, you know, when John and I uh, conceived the Behind the Bars par- podcast, one of the things that we had a discussion about early on is something that I see in your website. And when, when John asked me about it, I said, you know, I, I think it would be really interesting, but I think what we need to do is we need to celebrate the art and the spirituality of motorcycling. John laughed at the spirituality part well, I didn't of it. laugh at it. No, you right. laughed at it. But Behind the Bars podcast is very clearly about the art and spirituality of motorcycles. And on your website, uh, you, you post uh, motorcycles as art. And I'd love to hear your comments about that. And then I'd like to hear John follow up with some more comments because I think he feels like this is a little touchy-feely for our no, podcast. No, no. Some, some things you say and do are a little foofy, Mark. Well, but, I, I, I mean, I'd like to hear what Ken has to say as well. I mean, he's yeah. the guy we're interviewing. It's not about me, Mark, as much, you know, sometimes you, you try to make it about me, but it's really about Ken right now. Well, behind the bars podcast is it, it is largely about the art so tell us about the art he of said, motorcycles. you said we're, we're on the same page with you mark yeah, somebody agreed with you what do, what do you see in motorcycles that suggests art to you oh absolutely ever since i was a little kid even my teens i always uh i had a, a yamaha gt80 when i was six years old and i just stare at it for hours and put it in the in the, in the right light so i could see it from different angles and since i was a kid i've always thought of the motorcycle as art, and even in the winter time, you know, to cure that winter depression, I'd go out in the garage and look at my bike, you know, and, and uh, I've always taken great pride in uh, customizing the bikes and the paint jobs and the detail work, even on my race bikes, which I destroy every weekend, they'd be stuck when I rolled up to the line, you know, so absolutely, especially with the vintage bike, it really becomes a piece of artwork. Um, let's face it, motorcycles aren't the most practical transportation in New England where it's raining or snowing seven months out of the year, so uh, it's definitely something more than that. And as far as the spirituality part goes, clearly uh, some of the my, uh, most spiritually centered moments are, be, are, are behind the bars of a motorcycle where nothing can get to you. It's a cell phone. No, nobody can ask you to do anything. It's just you and the bike and the wind and feel the presence of God there more, more, as much as anywhere else, as much as in a church. But just to, to summarize that, that, my position on faith, this was a huge leap of faith taken on this project, massive leap, leap of faith to invest a million dollars a year seven years, I'm until this place for almost $7 million, this project, it was clearly a labor of love and a labor of faith, and on, on the entry to each side of the mill, on, on, the, on the south side and east side, there's a big sign that says, faith beyond what the eyes can see, so what that means to me is, is we're doing something here with no promise of return on investment, it's, it's uh, something from the heart, and uh, no, I, I feel like this is, like, uh, you know what I say, um, God is, is, is the architect, we're the builders. I feel like if, if I couldn't live God's will for my life, this would be it. Because it's not a day goes by that I don't wake up with a, a, a desire to be here. January 1st, I was here in seven-degree weather. It was like bitterly cold. I was cutting pipes off the building on a ladder you know, with, with one, of, one of Kenny's friends. So just trying to get it done. So I'm here all the time. Most Memorial Day, Labor Day, this is where I've been for the last seven years. And I love what I'm doing. That's why I said I understood like what Noah Ken, we have that in common. Uh, Behind the Bars podcast is uh, a nonprofit as well. Uh, we certainly don't make any money on the podcast. We do it because we love talking to people who love motorcycles like yourself. 
So when you structured the um, the museum, you you structured it as a nonprofit. I'm curious about that. What was your thinking there? Well, clearly, uh, we wanted wealthy individuals and companies to hopefully donate money and motorcycles to the museum and give them a vehicle to uh, make it beneficial because most very wealthy people uh, got there because they're they're really good with their money and they're not going to donate to a profit profitable organization. So. It was, it was a vehicle to get museum bikes donated either to uh, display here or quite often they're, they're to be resold to fund. The expenses here are ridiculous. We, we have a $4 million mortgage on the property. Our electric bill was $2,000 last January, and, and we just turned the heat on here. So our, our heat bills are going to be in the, in the thousands of dollars. So um, there is a lot of overhead with this, and we, we sold just about $1.5 million in bikes last, last year. We averaged $100,000. Ken, where where can our listeners of the Behind the Bars podcast? Where can they uh, find information? You know, give us a uh, some feedback on the YouTube channel, your website, your Facebook page. Where can they find this uh, more information so that they can visit Rockville, Connecticut, and visit the the museum? Seven days a week. We have the, the Facebook 
page. Uh, we have a Facebook page for New England Motorcycle Museum. We have one for Kaplan Cycles. And my personal Facebook page is Ken Kaplan. Um, I like the personal page. I don't know if any of your listeners or yourself can relate, but it seems like the business page is very difficult to navigate um, other than doing Facebook ads on there, uh, which you can't do on a personal site. But I post all of our events on my personal Facebook page. And like I mentioned earlier on our phone call before the, the um, podcast, I'm well connected in, in the entire industry from uh, motorcycle touring clubs to uh, mini bike racers to uh, motocross to flat track. To, we've done a little bit of everything. It's got two wheels and a motor, and we know some people that do it, so we're connected in all those communities. So, so you'd like to add about our social media? Uh, we have Twitter and Instagram. I don't even know how to use it. Junior and, and my daughter. <laughs> I have a daughter, Taylor, and she handles Instagram. I don't even have an Instagram account, but I've had people say, yeah, I saw you on Instagram. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I don't even know how to use it. But so, guys, I, now, so. I have a question for you. Uh, of all these motorcycles at your museum, which one – or which couple get the most attention? What's the Mona Lisa of your museum? That's a good question. I, I think it depends on who shows up. Um, everybody's got their vision of what the perfect motorcycle is, and we've got the finest BMW R27 in the world that won the concourse. Uh, uh, we've got a, a pink and white 29 Harley-Davidson. We've got a 39 uh, Indian. We've got a 52 Pan. We've got Nimbus four-cylinders. We've got Honda 50 and Honda 70 trikes. We've got... So it, it's always... Beauty is an eye of the beholder, and that's why I didn't want it to be a Harley Museum or an Indian Museum. I don't want to limit the appeal. I want it to appeal from every everything from the, 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 the five-year-old who wants to ride a 50 up to, you know, the, the, the 60-year-old guy who lost it after a 77 XLC Cafe racer when he was 18 years old, you know. I, I think the big iron frog out front gets a lot of attention. Yeah, you know, yeah. But it, ironically, the, I think the building itself uh, had a painter guy through here. The other day, he was a professional painter who works in Greenwich. He applied for a job here. He goes, I walked through this place. I couldn't believe the attention to detail. Every bolt in the entire building from the ceiling to the basement is painted black and gold. And the attention, like the, the, um, the craftsmanship on the restoration, he, he goes, it's unbelievable. And I want to be part of creating something like this. So, And we're st- still under construction, so we're going to hire him. It, it starts attracting its own, you know, um, it's weird. It becomes like a magnet. The building, I... I mentioned spirituality earlier. I was in the country for 25 years. Never once, maybe once or twice, a pastor came in great at our facility. Uh, we've had a nonstop stream of spiritual people here, including Flotch, who's sitting right across the table from me here. Um, we call him our bodyguard and spiritual advisor. He's been here since we got here. And uh, we've had bishops from the church. We've had uh, priests and pastors and um, probably 20 different three priests, pastors, and bishops show up and pray for us here, which I think is really quite ironic. Um, unsolicited uh, <laughs> prayer. It's incredible. Well, if, if there was ever a need for evidence of the spiritual nature of motorcycles, you've just provided it. Guys, I know you're really busy, and we're running short on time here. Um, we, we just wanted to thank you again from Behind the Bars podcast uh, for taking the time to tell us about this spectacular museum. I know John and I will be we there. I can't wait to get down yeah, there now. After, after yeah. seeing this and yeah. listening to him, I literally cannot wait to drive down there. Me neither. So, guys, from my end, anyway, I want to say thank you very much. John, anything else? No, I appreciate it, Ken. Kenny, sincerely, very. we can't wait to, to uh, make the trip to Rockville, Connecticut, to visit this museum. Wish you the absolute best, and uh, we'll be certainly circling back down the road and uh, if you don't mind and uh, maybe doing a follow-up podcast after some of this uh some of the uh, the movie theater and some of the other things uh, kick in 
Absolutely. And if you can mark on your calendar, December 8th, that's the Racers Reunion. We've got the Old Men That Used to Race website. Jim Boshin has uh, well-connected in the racing industry. We've got Doug Danger coming here on December 8th, John Dowd, Doug Henry, I believe Joe, Joe Keller, some of the true greats of motocross, not only in New England, but nationwide are coming. So if you can come December 8th, you're welcome to do a live podcast here. How do our viewers get on your podcast? Tell us, uh, how do we sign up? How do we subscribe? Yeah. Sorry, YouTube channel and Facebook Live also. So if any of your listeners uh, through your live feed want to subscribe to the podcast or just listen to this, this will be up next week, uh, which will be the, the second week of November. But uh, they can find it on iTunes, Spotify, um, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, any of the places you would listen to a podcast. This, this is where you would find Behind the Bars podcast and you'll see a, a picture of a motorcycle with wings on there and orange and black and uh we'd love for your folks to subscribe and uh and certainly offer a review we got a we got a recent review last week about mark and and they 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 uh they said that he was cerebral he was the cerebral co-host out of the two of us and and i i i wanted to try to figure out how to take it down no comment because it just made mark's head get that much bigger ken It does. Yeah, you certainly can link to it, and it stays on there permanently. We can link it to our our Facebook page or YouTube. Absolutely. Yeah, we would love that, and we will do the same for you folks. Awesome. Junior's a brain span operation. I'll let him figure that out. (laughs) Sounds great, guys. We really, really appreciate it. We know you got to get back to work, but we will certainly circle back. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time. All right. God bless America. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Bars podcast, sponsored by Wilkins Harley-Davidson. Stay tuned for our next exciting podcast. Check out additional information on WilkinsHarley.com.